Have you ever wondered whether the problems in the world today would exist if we had deeper connection to ourselves, others, and the environment, and acted from that place? Welcome to the Conscious Action Podcast with your hosts, Brian Burneman and Kayla Grimble, who believe that connection is the key to taking conscious action as individuals and creating a better world. We are here to raise awareness and inspire meaningful action by sharing stories, knowledge, and conversations with thought leaders and changemakers. From sustainability to well-being and everything related to conscious living, our mission is to empower you to be the change that you want to see in the world. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Conscious Action Podcast. I am Brian Bernman, your host, and I'm joined here all the way from the U.S., from Michigan, uh, by Tamara Sonner. Thank you, Tamara, so much for taking the time to be here. I love to have the possibility of doing this online during these times for the podcast. So thank you so much for, for joining me in what I'm sure will be a really juicy conversation and something that a lot of people are going to take a lot from. But I want to give you the space to introduce yourself and tell us who is Tamara. Thank you, Brian. Tamara, I am... I love this question. I love the way that you keep it open because I like to introduce myself differently in different scenarios. So often, and often I'll, I'll teach people how to introduce themselves in a different way than the usual, which is what we do instead of who we are. And so I'll start there. I am a lover of life, passionate, empathetic, uh, energetic, a uh, human being living this human experience in this particular package this time around. And I show up as a mom of three super cool kids and as a speaker and a coach and a happiness trainer, teaching people how to live the actions and habits of happiness so that they can have joyful, fulfilling lives. And I do it because I know what it's like to live in an unhappy existence and to feel stuck and feel like that's your forever existence and it's not. And so I, I live to inspire people to move out of here and into their hearts. And would you be able to share a little bit on what was life like when you weren't in that happy place stuck and what transformed into what's now? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I, I met and married a Frenchman, in fact, within six months of knowing him. And two months later, we moved to Singapore. So <laughs> it was a very rapid, probably should have been a rebound relationship. And instead, uh, as an adventurous young 20-something, uh, just took a giant leap and kind of ran away, in fact, uh, from like not knowing what to do with my life and a difficult end to a very recent relationship. And, you know, I met this charming French man and he opened up this world to me and said, come with me. And I said, okay. And I didn't know him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And no one said, Tam, you're crazy. What are you thinking? They just said, okay, good luck. <laughs> Bye. So I moved across the world to Singapore with this person I didn't really know. And, uh, as I did get to know him, 
realized we weren't particularly compatible in the way that we thought about the world, our open-mindedness. I'm very open-minded. I'm like, I love everyone. I want everyone to feel included and worthy. And um, he didn't, he doesn't. And it took me about three years to really, I remember thinking around that time, gosh, I don't really really like this Mm -hmm. person. What am I doing? But I also had this Catholic background you know, and programming. My parents have been married for 56 years. Uh, I didn't, like, I didn't believe in divorce. I had made a commitment and I was going to see it through. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, because I'm such a positive influence on most of the people in my life that eventually Mm -hmm. he'll, he'll stop drinking. He'll be nicer. He'll open his mind to all sorts of social issues and and so we followed the path that you do in most societies and had kids and bought the house we moved back to the states and it just got worse after the kids uh because parents out there know like that we think before we're parents that kids are going to bring out the best of us and they do to some extent, but really they bring out the worst of us <laughs> because it's highly stressful mm. to be a parent, especially in those early years. And uh, he just was not the parenting partner that I had always dreamed of. And in fact, his controlling and his expectations just became really, really difficult to bear. You know, I had, now I was experiencing, um, I call it like reverse culture shock back in the U S after five years in Asia with a new baby. And then very quickly had a second new baby. And I was supposed to like have an aperitif ready for him when he walked through the door, a clean house, quiet, clean children. And that's just not life with two toddlers, right? Two babies, two toddlers. So, um, it was a little bit of a WTF moment <laughs> in my life. <laughs> and I started, I started trying to figure out a way out. I hadn't supported myself since we'd been married. I still lived hours from family. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started training to be a kinder music educator. Mm-hmm. So at least I could do something and earn money and maybe have a way out. And I also am relentlessly optimistic. So I still thought, well, he'll change. I'll just, you know, tell him the problems and he'll, and he'll change. And he didn't. And um, then I had decided to leave and found I was pregnant with our third child. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be a single mother to three kids at that time. And so we went into counseling and I went into counseling and, they decided I was the problem and it was postpartum depression and all of this. I was like, no, I really think it's my husband, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, um, but I did the things. And then, then I tried, I tried really hard to be the wife he wanted. And I tried really hard to, you know, do whatever it was that would make him happy at my own expense. And I did that for several years and we moved again. We moved to England this time when my youngest was three and my oldest was uh, seven. And this is where I started to get into personal development because I was 
not happy. Nothing I had done to please him pleased him. And I finally decided, well, if I can't, if nothing that I do for him works to make this situation better, then I have to, I have to change me. You know, we'd seen the secret and I thought, okay, well, I'll get my frequency up. I'll start vibrating. I'll work on me. And he'll just, ha- he'll just come along. He'll just be pulled along by my amazingly high frequency. <laughs> and that didn't work either. But what it did do was help me start to love myself again and start to realize that I, I can't fix another person. I cannot change another person. I only can influence myself and change my mind and change my actions and behavior and see what happens. And so during that time, I became a certified life coach and then I became a certified passion test facilitator, which is what really did it for me for very intense days of personal development and training and identifying and basically designing the life I wanted to be living, my ideal life. And it was there that I realized I was, I was not stuck. That was only my mindset. And what I really wanted was to be able to live authentically from my heart. And I wasn't able to do it in this marriage. And I wasn't ready to give up yet. Um, like I said, relentless optimist. Uh, but I did identify that I wanted a happy, harmonious family life, that I wanted to live authentically from my heart and soul, that um, you know, I wanted to inspire others to live the lives they wanted to live. And so I went back to England with this in mind. And again, just tried to do what I could do for me and for my kids to create the best experience. Mm. And then uh, I came home for a visit. I hadn't seen my family in two years. My husband stayed in England to work and let me bring the kids home for a visit. We were struggling financially at the time because English England is very, very expensive. And um, I thought, you know, we had talked about, okay, well, maybe the kids and I will stay at my parents while you find a a less expensive home and potentially a better job. And we'll stay for a little bit or not. We'll see what happens. So I had three weeks at home in Michigan. And after a few days, I, I noticed myself relaxing. Mm. I noticed my shoulders releasing tension. And I remember thinking to myself, everybody's really nice. (laughs) Everybody's like so kind and they, they're treating me like they love me. Mm. Oh, this is how people who love you are supposed to treat you. And it was this real opening to me that I didn't deserve what I was living with. Mm. And he was never going to change. And if I wanted my life to be different, I was going to have to make those changes. And I, I actually gave my family and friends uh, a passion test workshop while I was there. Mm. And I, there's a point in the workshop where you ask the people to make their lists of the 10 things they want to be, do, feel, or have in their life. Create, you know, completing the sentence, when my life is ideal, I am, fill in the blank. And so I was telling them this and I said, okay, this is where you, 
this is where you write down what you really want in your heart of hearts, like those dreams that you let go by the wayside because they weren't reasonable or, you know, your parents told you it wasn't possible or society didn't, you believed it. This is where you go back to that and you shoot for the stars and you write down anything you want because in this space, anything is possible. And as I spoke those words, I started to have this very visceral awareness and experience in my body. And I, I thought, as I was speaking, I was thinking, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I am not, I'm not doing what they're telling me, what I'm telling them. I am not doing this. I am a liar. I'm a fake. I'm out of integrity. And I realized I have to start walking my talk. I can't teach this and not live it. Mm. And strangely enough, during that time, my husband, who knew what I was doing, because like any good abused wife, we'd tell you specifically when and where we'll be and what we're doing, like down to the minute, so that if we miss a call, you don't think we're off doing things we shouldn't be doing. So he knew everything I was doing. He knew what I, how I was spending my afternoon and that the kids were with an aunt and uncle. And nevertheless, he called 20 times during that workshop. Mm-hmm. And it went from it went from, why are you ignoring my calls to I'm sending my mother who was in the States to pick up the kids and come back to England. And I mean, it was so extreme, but it created such a perfect example for me. It, mm. it gave me permission from the universe to go, okay, yes, this is actually an extreme relationship. And all those things you were just thinking about walking your talk, now is the time. Now you're mm. safely thousands of miles away from this person. And now you can take some space and some time with the safety and the love of family and friends around you and reset and decide where to go from here. And so, you know, long story short, that's what I did. The kids and I ended up staying. It took a while. Um, I still gave him a few chances to like take ownership and some responsibility of his part of our problems, like the alcohol. Um, and that didn't happen. And so by then I felt stronger, more grounded and was able to say, okay, I want a divorce. Mm -hmm. And, and since then, you know, I have been actively creating this life that I love deciding every few months, if I'm still on the right path, if I need to tweak it and continually realigning myself with what matters the most to me Mm -hmm. and what I want to be and do and feel in my life. And now I'm one of the happiest people I know. I love my life. I, you know, I'm in such a better place and I'm grateful for everything I experienced because it made me who I am. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's powerful. And I think, you know, there's so many things to unpack from what you just shared in terms of shared experiences from a lot of people that have been conditioned in different ways that that are really not aligned with how they want to live their lives mm-hmm. and yet a lot endure that life because of the condition and thinking this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing and yeah. um, and as well that personal ownership and, and taking responsibility for our part and this is something that I I'm really grateful that I was able to to get introduced by my parents from a young age to be able to to do the work on myself mm-hmm. to be able to to love myself and not need that 
approval, not need that love to come from outside. I, I mean, I love love coming from outside. <laughs> yeah, right. the most important love is the one that I have for myself. Mm. Like, I, mm. I don't feel like I need anybody to fill any of the holes that I'm missing because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm whole already. And I think that, that is such an important thing that that I think that we're starting to get into a time that more and more people are getting into the so-called personal development or spiritual life. And, and also this is helping the younger generation as well to be able to get that. And, and I know like if, if I had this when I was a teenager, imagine the kids that grew up with this already like from yeah. day one, how their life is different because they get the model of what love feels like, what you were just sharing. Yes. Like, I, I was actually getting that, that experience when you were sharing going home and, and feeling that love. Mm-hmm. I think that, that is something that a lot of times, if we don't have that modeled, then we don't know what we're looking for. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard to know. And, and, and this is one of, one of the things of, of life, you know, like we're learning by seeing what our parents, our like environment is doing, our culture does, and and we try to make sense of all of that. And it's like, yes. okay, and, and now what? And and I think that also it's really, really interesting. Uh, one of the things that you were sharing, because I know so many people that they are in, whether it is relationships or or work, that they know that it's not for them mm-hmm. and yet they continue. And I mean, it's perfectly okay. It's their own path. Everyone needs to go through whatever they need to go through. Yes. But we have this, um, this thing of like trying to, no, no, I need to stick with it. I need to stick with yeah. it. <laughs> and on the flip side, there is the other people that is like, cannot stick with anything and it's just float <laughs> around so it's right. the two extremes really yes uh, yeah. and, and there's something that you know from what you shared that for me was so important that and this comes from my my own learnings from the buddhist teachings in terms of being content and being happy with what is mm-hmm. so yes i I visualize my life in the future in a certain way and those are the things that I am uh, actioning and I'm, I'm going towards. But now what my life is, I am happy and content because it really is not about what the circumstances, it's about how I am. Yeah, and that I think that it's such an interesting thing in terms of for me, and this is one of the things that I wanted to ask in terms of what is happiness. Does happiness come from the things that happen to us? Does happiness come from inside? What is your definition of happiness? Yeah, oh, love that. Um, so my definition of happiness is very similar to what you just said, like loving and embracing and accepting everything that is in your life right now, mm. and allowing yourself to feel everything that you feel, right? So happiness to me is not toxic positivity or disregarding the negative feelings or the lower energy, I would say negative is a judgment. So lower energy 
emotions or feelings or, or experiences that come up for you. It's about embracing all of it because we can only feel the really high, you use the word juicy in your opening. I love that word, juicy feelings. If we're also willing to experience the lowest, the grief, the sorrow, the sadness and move through it. So happiness to me is a willingness to embrace all of life and move through it as naturally as we can, always knowing that we can return to this peaceful state Mm. that leans toward happy Mm. whenever we choose. And it takes action. It takes, it takes some Mm self-discipline. It takes some work and it's worth it. So happiness doesn't mean we're always constantly happy and running around like it means that we return there Mm-hmm. more easily because of the habits and behaviors and practices that we've put in place to take care of ourselves, mm-hmm. including cleaning up our minds, especially cleaning up our minds and taking care of this vessel that we're in so that it can support our minds and support what we want to be doing, the things that bring us joy and happiness and always carrying with us this awareness that yes, Accepting where you're at right now and being grateful for what is, is a vital piece in that future you, where you want to be. And I think people, um, people get confused by that. Like they don't understand if they're happy where they're at, then they'll never strive for more. They'll never reach for more. And that's not true. (laughs) But the path is a lot easier if you already love where you're at and then you take conscious steps toward what you want even more of. Yeah. That's interesting because I remember one time I asked one of my teachers about that. We were learning so much. And and this is, I mean, I, at one point, this was 12 years ago. Now I, I wanted to go deeper into the practices that I was doing and I moved to, Men of the mountain to a Buddhist retreat center to wow. to be able to you know like take the time and really go deep and and once I, I asked one of my teachers because in the Buddhist teachings it's a lot about the middle way mm-hmm. and the, it's it's about allowing my life to stay in that constant high vibe um, resonance or vibration. Mm-hmm. And not to get swayed by the highs and the lows. So this is not that, you know, that there are no highs and lows. This is how I am whilst all of that is happening. Mm-hmm. And with that comes that contentment. That that's the word that uh, it's used a lot in the Buddhist teachings, more than happiness. I, I, I equate them, but they usually use the word contentment. And one of the things that my teacher um, was talking about, and I asked him, well, but if, exactly what you were saying, but if I am content with where I am now, does that mean that I'm like, I'm okay staying here my entire life? That's, mm-hmm. That means that, you know, I'm not going to strive for more. I'm not going to have any more desires. And 
he told me, no, actually, there will always be desires in life. And there's different type of desires. And in the Buddhist teachings, uh, desire is kind of like a no-no word. Okay. <laughs> that <don't laughs> that creates suffering, right? <laughs> yeah, like don't, 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 don't crave, don't, don't, don't yeah. have that mm, attachment to things and that desire. Yet, there's other kind of desire, that, that's, that inner um, growth, that, mm-hmm. that's, that wanting to explore. And that can actually coexist being happy where I am, being content where I am, with striving in the future mm-hmm. to more or to something different. And that is okay to, to have that. And I think that this is so in, interesting for me. And, and this is one of the things, as you were just saying, this takes discipline, this takes work. Sometimes, yes, but this, this all depends on our conditioning. And this is why mm-hmm. I'm so excited about um, that there's more and more people sharing this and there's more kids introduced to this because Mm -hmm. then it's just life life is just like and it doesn't need to be hard work yeah it's just life yeah yes Um, exactly it's just life I think you know I tend to think of myself as a bridge so mm -hmm. you have people like you have clearly done you know put a lot of uh, attention on Mm -hmm finding your contentment or happiness and peacefulness. And then you have people who are still in this mindset of the hard work, like everything, everything is hard work. (laughs) And so I tend to think of myself as like the person who's going to reach out the hand and say, okay, but come over here a little bit and let's, Mm -hmm. let's just open up a little bit to yes, effort, yes, attention. And it doesn't always have to feel hard. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, I use work because people understand that term and and yes, I know, like I, I get up and do yoga and meditation every morning. Some people think that's work. I think, oh, thank God, because <laughs> if I don't do it, I feel terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so to speak the language of what I'll call the programmed mind, and not mm-hmm. to offend anybody who's still there, but the programmed mind of how hard life is, mm-hmm. you know, we have to un program we have to deprogram we have to release all that that my generation learned as children and yes more and more of us are doing this more and more of us are opening and so our kids are hearing it. like my kids are living this right they've mm. seen me doing this work since you know for the last seven or eight years mm. and or this play however you want to phrase <laughs> it um and so they know that it's totally possible to choose the life you want you don't have to just do what society says they have an example of happiness even though challenging situations come up Mm -hmm. and they they witness me using the tools that help me get back or stay in Mm -hmm. a a sense of peacefulness a sense of well-being no matter what's going around and and i think the more in my experience, the more that we practice these practices, the the easier it is to stay in that kind of even keel space of contentment. I like that. I like that word. Uh, so that when like now, you know, seven years ago, something would happen and my emotions would go blip, you know, on the high end and blah, I would just react and over time with practice, different different practices, meditation and more exercise and 
cleaning up my thoughts. Now that pause, you know, that space between stimulus and response is so long that it, instead of, it's, oh, that's interesting. (laughs) How do I want to respond to this? How, or sometimes there is a reaction in my mind, Mm. but because I've practiced for so many years, I catch it and go, oh, oh, look at that. You just, you were triggered and you caught it. Mm. Well done. (laughs) Keep Mm. doing what you're doing. (laughs) And I, I, I love that because I actually, a lot of times I talk with my clients about the difference of reacting and responding to life. And, and then that is, it's being able to, um, create that space that yes. allows us to take control and to it, it, it might be the same action mm-hmm. as the reaction but because the moment perhaps needed that and it's interesting a lot of times I, I've had this experience for many years with a lot of people that know me um, and they know me from one space and that's usually when I'm facilitating and when I'm running workshops and and they know me as this really calm person and then sometimes you know like they've seen me in certain places uh, like at a festival dancing or like you know (laughs) it's like who's this person and it's like it's the same person but it's just the the action is a different place it's you know it's a festival there's music or if there's something that needs to happen and I need to take control of the room, and it's like just owning that space and not my seem a little bit harsh, yet it's not coming from a reactionary place. So it's it's a really interesting thing to to navigate and to see with a lot of people how can they create for themselves that space so mm-hmm. that they can choose consciously. And and I wanted to to ask you because I. We talked about this uh, previously, but not that many people are aware of the passion test. Mm-hmm. Would you be able to share a little bit about that? And what was that you shared a little bit before, but can you expand a little bit about that? Sure. So I learned about the passion test. And sadly, I'm not the creator of it. Um, I learned about it when I was doing something completely differently. different. I was actually a... a an in-home wine tasting consultant, (laughs) (laughs) which was very fun. And I went to a networking event and I sat next to this woman and we traded business cards and her said certified passion test facilitator. And I had, again, one of those full body experiences of, I need to know what that is. This is going to like something to do with this is important for me. Mm. And uh, so I got to know her and what it was and Anyway, I became certified in it because I just knew immediately it was for me. But it came about, um, the creator is Janet Bray Atwood, who is now like an amazing transformational leader in the world. And she was not living her ideal life at the time. And she, she went to, she went to a workshop seeking, searching like so many of us have and learned that uh, of the 100 most successful Americans at the time, they all had this one thing in common, which is that they had the five things in their lives, personally and professionally, that they thought they needed for their success. Mm. They were living it, and they were the most successful people at the time. She also heard that 80% 
of Americans were not happy or fulfilled in their in their jobs or their lives. And with the two together, she thought, well, number one, I need to figure out what my five things are <laughs> so that I can be happy and successful too. And two, I want to turn that statistic on its head. And so she ended up uh, basically stalking Deborah Poneman, who was <laughs> the leader of that workshop until she hired her, which is a funny story on its own, and learning everything she could from Deborah and then writing this book, The Passion Test. And then as they started to, uh, she started to try it out on people within the development, she, you know, she actually, she was in the publishing world. So she knew some people and she knew Jack Canfield and they were both at an event together. And uh, she asked Jack if she could take him through the passion test. Now, you know, Jack was already super successful with the chicken mm. soup books. And um, he said, sure, you know, why not? I'll go through it. And he discovered things he didn't realize were important to him. And Janet realized, okay, if someone is already successful as Jack Canfield can experience such a difference and a shift and create things in the world that he didn't even know he wanted to, then I've got to get this out into the world. And so the book came out, uh, she and her uh, partner started to train facilitators to do the work of the passion test. So it's making a list essentially. And then facilitators like me take people through the list in a very specific way mm -hmm. so that we're, we're comparing, you know, one passion to the next. And the passion is just anything that's really important to you in your life right now. Mm -hmm. And, you ask, okay, which feels better? You know, this one or this one, this one or this one, until we get to your top five, because mm -hmm. your brain can only handle five to seven things at any given time. So we stick with the number five so that we can put our attention on those five things that ends up end up as our top passions. Mm -hmm. And then we teach people how to align their lives with those things. So, you know, the passions are our intentions. So living from intention, and then putting your attention on them so that change actually occurs because what we put our attention on grows stronger in our lives, whether it's what we want or what we don't want. Either way, we get more of it. And then we do it with no tension, or as I like to flip it and say, total ease. Mm -hmm. So that, like you said earlier, we're not attached to the outcome. Mm -hmm. This would be great, but this or something better because... We're limited. Universe isn't. And so this or something better keeps it open mm. so that I just, it's not like I'm not clinging to this one thing I need to have happen mm. to be happy or joyful or fulfilled. And then, you know, the other, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the secret and I'll tell you and your <laughs> listeners the secret that most people only learn by either reading the book or doing a workshop or working with a facilitator is that whenever you're faced with a choice, a decision or an opportunity, you choose in favor of your passion. Mm. So if this decision will move you closer to your passions, you, it's a yes, like no mm. matter what. <laughs> mm. And if it will move you further away, then you learn how to say no. Mm. And that too takes practice. And this secret, like it works. This is how I've transformed my own life. I used this process and, you know, created on paper this life that I wanted and chose in favor of it 
every time. I keep, I still have a passion, my own list right here. It's been seven years since I became a certified facilitator. I still have my current list right here. Wow. So every six months or so, I, I redo it mm. so that I, you know, because as life changes, so do our priorities and our passions. So we want to transition with them mm. so that we're continually aligning our lives with what matters the most to us mm. right now. COVID shifted things for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And I was able to realign with my passion, which is inspiring people on a large scale to mm-hmm. live lives they love. So the passion test is this beautiful transformational process that when used mm-hmm. <laughs> transforms lives. And I've, I've witnessed it in my own, of course. And then I've witnessed it in so many of my clients now and even people who aren't really clients, maybe they'll come to a workshop and then they'll just keep showing up at other events that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, they transform their lives. They learn these few skills. They get clear on what matters to them. They choose in favor and they surround themselves with people who are doing the same thing. I like to call it like-hearted people so that they have support in Mm. living a different kind of life than the average person Mm. and, and their lives shift and change and are so beautiful. It's, and it's such a joy Mm. and an honor to witness it and to, to know a little ego. (laughs) I I, like planted that seed for them. Mm. They did all their work. Mm. And something in me attracted them to be able to learn this and start living it. And that's, it's so exciting. And I really think that the more people who, and it doesn't have to be the passion test. It can be any tool that speaks to their hearts and allows them to consciously create their experience. Mm -hmm. Like that's when the world will be blissful and beautiful and open and a community, a real community Mm. of people living and supporting one another when Mm. we're all doing it for ourselves first Mm. and then lovingly supporting others. And it just, that's that ripple effect. That's so, so important and so beautiful. Mm beautiful and yeah it's it's such an important thing that as you were just saying like us as priorities so that then we can share with others i i always share this with all of my clients make yourself number one again because most of us we've been conditioned to not do Mm -hmm. that to put Mm -hmm. others first and Mm -hmm. i keep on telling people you need to be the best that you can be so that you can show up for others. And, yes. and that is so important. And I love something that you said for about uh, intention and attention because that is so important. And this is a, a reminder constantly of, of, of us, as you're saying, keeping that vision or keeping that intention there because if I'm keeping that there, my attention is covered there. And where my attention goes, energy flows. Yes. So then everything continues to be easy. And then it starts to be more, um, as you were saying, just life starts to be easier mm-hmm. instead of making everything hard work. Yet yes. we do need to act and we do need to mm-hmm. do uh, the things and not just having them 
being there or like I have a few clients that sometimes they are like, oh, I watched the video and it's like, <laughs> but did you do the practice? And, and they are like, oh, no. And, and I'm like, oh, well, we need to take that step now because just watching the video might not be all of it. You might need to actually <laughs> do it for yourself. So it's, it's the interesting thing a lot of times about um, the way that now, nowadays with like a lot of my clients that I work online or a lot of people just in general, we watch, you know, YouTube videos or whatever. And it's like, oh, now I know how to, I don't know, like uh, create uh, this piece of furniture. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't have the tools. I have never done it. Do I actually know? Right. <laughs> so it's, it's a really interesting space to, to navigate that. And, and I'm really, really passionate talking about passion about mm-hmm. as well, about inspiring others to find what resonates with them. Yes. And, and I, I've been fortunate enough to learn that early on because I noticed that a lot of people wouldn't come to my classes and my workshops and then it was like, no, this is not for me. And at the beginning, I was like, kind of like I felt this thing inside and I'm like, Actually, this is not for them. That's cool. Exactly. Go, go yeah. to the other person. That other person is doing that. That might resonate with you. And it's yeah. like being able to let go of that because everyone is different. So that's mm-hmm. so important to be able to to give people the the space to to find what resonates with them. So so true. And I I think that people are just so used to being told what to do (laughs) that they think if someone says, this is the right tool for you, this is what works. Then if it doesn't work for them, they give up. Mm. But like you said, there, like there are so many different tools and it's so vital for people to just like you would to find a good therapist. Not Mm. everybody is going to, you know, gel with you. Mm. You have to keep looking until you find one that fits. You don't wear just any pair of shoes you pick up, right? You have to find the pair that fits and feels good. And it's just Mm. like that with coaches and therapists and doctors and and different tools for personal development. There are a thousand different ways to meditate, right? Mm -hmm. Find the one that works for you so that you'll work it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like a lot of times when I run meditation courses like some people or like when I'm before I start and some people start to inquire they're like I can't meditate I'm like what do you mean you can't meditate like tell me exactly what you've done (laughs) and it's that it's like oh they tried this one like way of actually doing this practice I'm like well have you tried all of this other (laughs) stuff that is available and and it's that because of, of what you're saying like we we have that conditioning and that programming that doesn't allow us to to a lot of times find that. So it is challenging a lot of times to break through that and to have mm-hmm. someone saying that. Like I, this this past weekend, I, I was running a workshop, and one of the persons afterwards that that attended, he he came and he said that he he was actually thankful because I told at the beginning that there wasn't a specific type of experience that they had to experience that I, I shared a few different types of experiences. So then he was like, oh, you gave me permission to actually be with what came up. And I noticed that him, like I asked him and he said that 
he never got that permission any other, any other class that he's been to because like no one ever said that it was always mm -hmm. you know and and it was in his mind what he was mm -hmm. supposed to experience yeah. and he would never get to that and he like i i when i saw him after the the workshop he was so at like peace and i'm like you know that is that is what this is supposed to be like this is supposed to be like that time for relaxation time for easiness and to actually be able to experience that mm -hmm. and i'm interested uh just getting to a last few questions sure um What is one resource that you would recommend for people that are in, in this space? And that can be, you know, from uh, passion to getting out of the stuck place or unhappy. <laughs> uh, so I thought about this question because you, you let me know in advance you'd ask it. You'd ask it. And I thought, gosh, that's so tricky. There, because as we just talked about, there are so many mm. resources. And most of them work, right? If the person's willing to put the effort forth, then they'll work for them. You know, I like this quote, everything works when you do. <laughs> uh, and so as I thought about it, I came up with a different response, which was your own inner wisdom is your greatest resource. And having the willingness to take the time and space to be quiet, to be still, to shut all of the other noise off and hear what your heart actually has to say, you are your greatest resource mm. because only you know your truth. Only you can hear it from within and only you can take the steps toward it. And so, yes, when people are searching, and I, I am guilty of it, I have done this in the past, seek, seeking and seeking and searching outside of myself, thinking if I learned these 10 new things, then I'd be successful and worthy. <laughs> and what it comes down to is just being quiet mm. and tapping in to what is within us. Because as a spiritual person, I know for sure that when I'm quiet, I can connect to everything. Mm. You know, source is all that is. So everything ever in existence is available to us when we are willing to get really still and quiet and practice hearing our own voices. Mm. Beautiful. I love that. I mean, I always talk about and everything our inner resources mm -hmm. um, because we have that wisdom already it's just about tapping into it so yes. thank you for for sharing that and what is the one thing that you wish that everyone in the world knew one thing i wish that everyone <laughs> in the world knew <laughs> that that's all these are hard questions brian because there's so much I want people to know, I want everyone in the world to know that they can actually create whatever they want in their lives. Mm. They simply need to make the commitment to do it. Mm. So it, just like you said, you can watch a YouTube video on how to create a life you love, but unless you take action, nothing changes. Mm -hmm. And 
everything changes when you do, when you're willing to put forth some practice, some energy, and it's there for you. It's there. So that's what I want everyone to know is it is possible for them to experience joy and fulfillment and contentment and happiness. And you, it starts with a choice. Mm. Beautiful. And, you know, that is why I, I love that my business and the podcast is about conscious action. But yes. it is not about <laughs> just consciousness. It's about the actions that we take that come from that place. So yes. that's, that's amazing. And Tamara, how can people find you? How can people work with you and follow you? Thank you for asking. So I have a fairly unique name. There's only one other Tamara owner in the entire world that I'm aware of. And she lives in South America, I believe. So that's not me. <laughs> uh, I'm on Facebook. I have a group called Create a Life You Love Now. That is a great free resource for people to join and be a part of a community of like-hearted people consciously creating their lives. And then my website is alifeyoulovenow.com. And you can reach me there to work with me individually or in my workshops or classes. And also, I am, I am seeking more speaking opportunities because I want, to, I want to get into the places that really need this work mm. that might not always think they do, like workplace environments mm -hmm. and corporations, because little do they realize the happier and more fulfilled their employees, the better customer service, the better profit. It's like, it's such, again, such a ripple in the pond. One happy employee can create an amazing experience that someone tells 20 of their friends about and suddenly a business is exploding. So uh, my website, LinkedIn, Instagram, I'm everywhere. <laughs> well, okay, I'm in those places. I'm not on TikTok, so you <laughs> can't find me there. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, and we will have the, the links all in the comment in the show notes so that it's easier for everyone to, to find it. But thank you, Tamara, so much for taking the time to, to be here, for sharing and for bringing happiness to the world, for bringing happiness to people around you, and, and for sharing this message to get everyone to to find that that passion and to find that which makes them happy so thank you so much for taking the time to be here for everyone listening i would love for you to share what resonated with you what did you learn and what are you going to do now that you know this perhaps you're going to create your list perhaps you're going to go and search for tamara and like and work with her but i'd love to know in the comments so thank you tamara once again And Thank until you. next time, bye everyone. What did you like the most about this episode? Take a moment to think about what change you can make in your life today. Share your conscious action on social media using hashtag conscious action and tagging at conscious action and set so we can celebrate your impact on the world and create a ripple effect. One easy action we would love for you to take right now is to share, like and subscribe to this podcast. This will help us get these messages out into the world and inspire more people to take conscious action in their own lives, contributing to the better world we hope for.